Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back and welcome in to another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. How are you doing? It's Andrew for America here. And I am going to get right into what we're going to be talking about today. Today, friends, family, we are going to be talking about debt. We're going to be talking about debt on an individual level. Then we're going to be talking about debt on a governmental level. Uh, And then I'm going to tell you a story about a gentleman by the name of John Perkins. John Perkins wrote a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And the contents of this book are from his own experiences with what he did for a job for many, many years. So before we get into all that, this is the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I'm Andrew for America. Thank you for listening. I want to read a few quotes from uh, Thomas Jefferson. Here we go. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around those banks will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless and penniless on the continent their fathers conquered. The issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. Uh, I briefly touched on uh, the Federal Reserve, 1913, going off the gold standard uh, in a previous podcast. And that's exactly what that quote from Thomas Jefferson makes me think about. Today we're going to be talking about debt from a number of perspectives. We're going to learn how debt is a powerful tool that can be wielded by the rich, the powerful, the gatekeepers, the movers and the shakers to get what they want, to control markets. Thomas Jefferson, and I quote, I sincerely believe that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies and that the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity under the name of funding is but swindling futurity on a large scale. Pretty, you know, pretty accurate. Lots of crossover between then and now, don't you think? Everything predicted by the enemies of banks in the beginning is now coming to pass. We are to be ruined now by the deluge of bank paper. Just printing money, baby. It is cruel that such revolutions in private fortunes should be at the mercy of avaricious adventurers who, instead of employing their capital, if any they have, in manufacturers and commerce and other useful pursuits, make it an instrument to burden all the interchanges of property with their swindling profits, profits which are the price of no useful industry of theirs. I'm a big fan of capitalism, people, but you know what I'm not a fan of? 
crony capitalism. And there's a difference. There's a big, 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 big difference. You probably don't know that or think that. You know why? Because your media and your schools have done a fantastic job of getting you to believe that all the evils and horrors of the American experiment are due to capitalism. Capitalism is one of the biggest scapegoat words I have ever encountered in my life. Debt, people. Debt. What did I talk about in the last episode? I talked about student loan debt. I talked about credit card debt. Right now I'm talking about governmental debt. Thomas Jefferson talking to various people, groups of people about the dangers of banking. Uh, I talked to you about the David Rockefeller and uh, the Council of Foreign Relations and uh, the big banks, the World Bank, the IMF, the Federal Reserve, private company, not beholden to any government which means they can do whatever they want with no consequences whatsoever. They've long since paid for the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in the back pocket, and they own all the media companies that. So they they control all the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. Remember that. Remember that. <laughs> Carlin people. Oh man. I, however, place economy among the first and most important of virtues and public debt as the greatest of the dangers to be feared. Who do you think runs the world? Do you think good or evil people run the world? (laughs) How do you define the two? What's your morality? Is there a universal morality? You know, big questions, people. Big, 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 big questions. Oh, so much fun. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read one more quote from Thomas Jefferson, and then I'm going to move on. Here we go. And to preserve their independence, we must not let our rulers lead us with perpetual, I'm sorry, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. We must make our election between economy and liberty or profusion and servitude. If we run into such debts as that we must be taxed in our meat and in our drink, in our necessaries and in our comforts, in our labors and in our amusements, for our callings and our creeds as the people of England are our people, like them, must come to labor 16 hours in the twenty-four. Give the earnings of 15 of these to the government for their debts and daily expenses. And the 16th being insufficient to afford us bread, we must live as they now do on oatmeal and potatoes. Have no time to think. No means of calling the mismanagers to account. But be glad to obtain subsistence by hiring ourselves to rivet their chains on the necks of our fellow sufferers. Remember Paul Harvey talked about, uh, I would destroy the incentive of the ambitious. This stuff, people, I'm telling you, this stuff is real. Uh, uh, 20, what, $8 trillion in debt? Who are we in debt to? Huh? Who's the, who's the American government in debt to? You know what? Do some research. Go find that out. That's going to upset you. You're going to have some cognitive dissonance over that one, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to move on and talk about 
Mr. John Perkins, a former economic hitman. Uh, and we're going to go over a lot of stuff in that book because I need to show you. Uh, I'm going to paint you a picture. We're going to go from his how he got into the big club, how they got him into the big club, uh, what he ended up doing for the big club, uh, and then he's going to have some regrets later on in his life. And he's going to tell a story. And the story that he has to tell has put his life in at risk many, many times. In fact, there's a good chance he might still his life still might be at risk. I don't know. I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole of reality he is involved with, but he paints a pretty clear picture in his book, and I highly recommend it, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. We're going to read excerpts from it, Mr. John Perkins, coming up next on Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, welcome back. Uh, we, so here, I want to tell you, I wanna, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of read a few excerpts today. I hope this isn't too long winded, but, uh, let me just set this up. Okay. An economic hitman, an economic hitman is a highly paid professional who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars. They funnel money from the World Bank, the U.S. Agency for the International Development, and other foreign aid, quote-unquote, organizations until the coffers of huge corporations and the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources get bigger. Their tools include fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, extortion, sex, and murder. They play a game as old as empire, but one that has taken on new and terrifying dimensions during this time of globalization. I should know I was an economic hitman. That's how John Perkins kicks off this book. <laughs> okay? Uh, he talks about how the dictators of many South... Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Central American countries, probably during the, the Contras in the 80s, were assassinated because they opposed the fraternity of corporate government and banking heads whose goal is global empire. Uh, he continues on. 24,000 people die every single day because they are unable to obtain life-sustaining food. Most important, this story must be told because today, for the first time in history, one nation has the ability, the money, and the power to change all this, the United States of America. So his argument is he's seen with his own eyes what American empire and the goals of American empire and globalization and you know gl America as the the acting wing of the people behind global empire and the people that are looking for global hegemony. Um, he says, this is a true story. I lived every minute of it. Uh, he, you know, and he goes on to say, you know, his wife, uh, her dad was in the NSA, I think, I want to say. Uh, I'm sorry, I got to find this part. So he says that, Okay, I'm sorry, I found it. So, okay, so Anne was his 
uh, wife, and he says, Anne's father, a brilliant engineer, had masterminded the navigational system for an important class of missile and was rewarded with a high-level position in the Department of the Navy. His best friend, a man Anne called Uncle Frank, which ended up not being his real name, was employed as an executive at the highest echelons of the National Security Agency. Uh, shortly after our marriage, the military summoned me for my physical. I passed and therefore faced the prospect of a Vietnam of Vietnam upon graduation. Uh, you know, he was think, worried about going to the Vietnam War. Uh, he says, Uncle Frank, not his real name, apparently, came to my rescue. He informed me that an NSA job made one eligible for draft deferment. How convenient. And he arranged for a series of meetings at his agency, including a day of grueling polygraph interviews, I was told that these tests would determine whether I was suitable material for NSA recruitment and training. And if I was, I would provide a, prof- a profile. It would provide a profile of my strengths and weaknesses. He goes on to say that their assessment had less to do with issues of loyalty to my country than with the frustrations I had going on in my life, anger at my parents. An obsession with women and my ambition to live the good life gave me a hook. I was seducible. And so, pretty much, this guy lures him in (laughs) to what's essentially the big club, which is essentially the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. You're in for life. If you talk about it, you're dead. If you get caught, you're dead. If you reveal the plan, you're dead. And, you know, apparently this Uncle Frank guy told him, uh, you know, you should enter the Peace Corps. And oh, why? Oh, because it's a nice front, you know. Uh, it's loaded with oil over there in Hanoi, in the Vietnam. We'll need good agents there, people who understand the natives. He says you might end up working for a private company instead of the government. And then he says, I had no idea that there were hundreds of men and women scattered around the world. Listen up. Working for consulting firms and other private companies. People who never received a penny of salary from any government agency and yet were serving the interests privately. The serving the interests of empire. Uh, He goes on to say that that was his job. He went around the world. Many, many countries. He worked for Bechtel. He worked for Halliburton. Uh, Stone and Webster. Brown and Root. He names a lot of names. A lot of names. He talks about some pretty, pretty heavy topics that I don't think I probably should get into on this podcast. It's a little too dark. It's a little too deep. But I just want to make you aware, people. The point of all this is that there is information out there that you can use to seek truth. There are people that have lived lives that know some forbidden things that You're not supposed to hear on the news that aren't even supposed to be public knowledge. The monopoly on information is literally the difference between the classes in a lot of respects. If you don't have the right information, you can't make great decisions. The quality of the information that you receive is of the utmost importance. I've been saying it and I'm going to keep saying it. There you go. I I, want to keep reading, but I don't want to bore you guys to death. Go get the book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. A guy that traveled the world, uh, got in bed with, you know, governments around the world, trying to get them to agree to structural adjustment loans 
more debt. Hey, you know what? We're going to come over. We're going to build your infrastructure. Do you people need services? Oh, we're going to give you some plumbing. Oh, hey, you know what? We're going to, you know, it's going to be like the gods have answered all of your prayers. So that's a nice cover story, right? That's the nice, oh my gosh, America is so giving. They're so great. They're so wonderful, right? But behind the, the, the curtain, there's a group of people running the show. <laughs> small group, small group. How, how do you think it's possible for a small group of people to literally control the minds and the information and the knowledge that is available and acceptable to be viewed and learned? I know this stuff is scary, man. I know it, it's scary. It scares me talking about it. I hate it. I hate that I find this stuff when I start doing my own research. I hate it. I wish I was wrong. But this stuff is out there, people. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. It's human nature. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter what class, caste, whatever you're from. Doesn't matter if you're royalty. Doesn't matter. We all experience the same things as human beings. And the only thing that separates us is debt to income ratio, (laughs) pretty much. And the quality of the information that we have to use to make decisions. You know what I'm saying, people? I mean, debt, think about it. Do you need to go into debt? Do you understand how compound interest works? Do you know the difference between fixed interest and compounding interest? Simple interest. This stuff is important because this stuff is controlling your options in this world and in this country. And because you did not receive high quality information that you could use to prevent you from making these kinds of mistakes wouldn't have been nice. I would have loved, I would have loved for somebody in a school, uh, a family member, somebody that knew this stuff to be like, hey, you know what? This is, uh, yeah, school is great and all. You're going to learn a lot in school, but there's some other stuff you should probably know and that you need to know before you become an independent adult who needs to fend for themselves in the big, bad, real world. I would have loved that. That would have been great. Thanks. I would have really liked to know a little bit more about debt before I started getting credit cards with 28% in APR interest rates compounding on the balance of the debt. You know, people don't even understand how that works. And they don't understand that you can end up paying $100, $200 a month towards a bill and it's not even going to the principal. It's going to just the interest. So you're never going to pay that off. You're just giving this company money henceforth. I mean, for the rest of your life. Until you find the ways to learn how to get your money right and fix that stuff. And get consolidation loans with fixed interest rates. That you know your payment is going to be paid off in four years, not in, I don't know, 28, 29 years. (laughs) Oh man, people, it's, you got to learn. You got to learn about money. You got to learn about debt. Everyone living in a capitalist society, living in a free society, it is your responsibility to learn how to get your money correct and right. 
be knowledgeable about finance. You have to have a base knowledge of finance, people. I'm going to take one more break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So, yeah, I just, I guess that's kind of the theme for today. I didn't really, I kind of threw this podcast together just because I was thinking about about debt uh, in a, you know, on a number of levels. And uh, the theme today is, you know, I just wanted to show you guys how debt is used as a weapon. Debt is, is definitely used as a weapon. It is used as a weapon to keep things a certain way and to keep control and to keep uh, the status quo, you know, moving right along as it's been moving for a long time. And, uh, you know, you can still believe in capitalism and understand capitalism and understand how <coughs> capitalism benefits somebody who's just trying to get by and, and is just trying to get their basic needs met by their own hand without any help. You know, just the way our ancestors, you know, when we're hunter-gatherers, that was the, that's the natural state, people. If you don't fix society, that's where we go back to. We go back to hunting and gathering. We go back to, you know, the wild. You want to live life like that? <laughs> if you don't, it's probably a good idea to start learning about this stuff, don't you think? We also got to know. That there are people and groups of people in this world with a lot of influence, a lot of money, a lot of power. And they have created systems that are traps for the gullible, naive, ignorant, stupid to fall into. And then they just keep you there. A corporate wage slave. Slavery is not gone. Slavery is not dead, people. It's just metamorphosized into new forms. And if you're not aware of how that's happening, you will be a victim. But you can't self-identify as a victim. And you can't let that create the victim mentality within you. You have to persevere. Find the courage. And, you know, just learn. Learn. Like, it's one thing to work really hard for your money and be, be a hard worker and have a work ethic and be able to provide for yourself under any circumstances. But then, you know, you got to take it a level above above that. And you got to learn how money works and how people with money use money. It's kind of like poker. I don't know if you guys are poker players, but when you got the biggest stack at the table, you can bully people a little bit. I got a lot of analogies for poker in life. There's a lot of poker strategy and analysis that is transferable completely to real everyday life. And that's one of them. If you got the big stack, you can bully. So be aware of it, people. There are bullies out there with big stacks. And they're trying to keep you on that comeback. Percentage rate of APR interest. Compounding. So, you know, how bad do you really got to go into debt? How bad do you really need the shit you want to buy? Do you need that shit enough to ruin your financial future? How long do you want to be in debt for? You just want to pay a portion of your income towards debt for the rest of your life? 
Because that's what happens if you don't get get a hold of it, people. I am Andrew for America. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. This has been episode six of the Politics and Punk Rock podcast entitled Debt as a Weapon. And in the future, I'm going to talk a lot more about Mr. John Perkins and his book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. I highly recommend my listeners go and purchase that book and read it start to finish. It'll make you a smarter, better American, I promise. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time.